family. Sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's really difficult. Maybe you're dreading family coming over for Christmas this year, or you're worried about the conversations your uncle's gonna bring up. See, no family is perfect, and no family holiday is perfect. But that's okay, because God placed you in your family for a reason, and he has a purpose for you in your family. Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. We're kicking off our Christmas series, and it's all focused on family. This week, we're talking about what God has for us in our families, even if things aren't perfect. So here's Pastor Aaron. I hope you're doing good this morning. I know we mentioned this a moment ago, but if you're our guest, uh, maybe someone invited you or twisted your arm to get you here this morning, or if you're watching this later this week online, we just want to extend a special welcome and say thanks so much for joining with us this morning. We're kicking off our Christmas series, Christmas at NCC, and um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea of family and um, how God has places in family and what that means and some of the joys and difficulties that go along with being placed in a family and what God wants for our life. And so I know it's going to be a good, a great um, few weeks as we kind of journey through this together. And we've got some creative elements, so we want to encourage you to continue to invite coworkers and family members and friends to be a part of this. And so we're going to look at this today, kind of starting with this idea of family. And when I think of family in the holidays, I think of um, I don't know if it's one of our best, but probably one of our craziest family moments. Um, whenever Sarah and I, before we moved to Texas, this was about 11 years ago, um, we would travel every year from Illinois to um, Colorado. That's where her parents lived at. And I remember the year right before we moved to Texas, um, we were heading out there for the holidays, and there was a young man that was in our church, he was in his early 20s, and didn't have Um, a way to get home. He was from England and couldn't fly back. And so we invited him to join us for the holidays. This was probably one of the most memorable holidays. I remember sitting down um, at the Christmas table and we knew that we were getting ready to move to Texas, but no one else knew. And my father-in-law, as he's praying over the Christmas meal says, God, thank you for leading Aaron and Sarah to Texas. And this young college student, his jaw just drops. And he starts to tear up and he's like, wait, you're leaving the church? Like you're going? And so instead of eating the Christmas meal, I spent the next 30 to 45 minutes explaining um, that we were getting ready to relocate and his heart was crushed. And then on the way home, we're driving back. And of course, like every Christmas trip, um, someone gets sick. And so we're packed into this suburban, like our family, we're all in there with Christmas gifts and everything. Micah starts to throw up while we're driving down the road. And once again, this poor college student, he's sitting right next to Micah. And we're freaking out. We're like, just get a plastic bag, like grab whatever you can and and like help Micah out. And Micah's not like a calm person when he gets sick. He's pretty violent. And of course, in that moment, he elbows his little brother. He elbows Josiah. Josiah's nose starts to bleed. Sarah's screaming at me, pull over the vehicle, pull over the vehicle. So I get our vehicle over on the side of the road. And because I'm a caring dad, I jump out of the vehicle open up my son's door and take out my phone and start snapping pictures. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, we got to capture this moment. Like, this is just too crazy. And she's like, put away your phone. And so we spent about 30 minutes on the side of the road trying to get our kids cleaned up before we can head back. And that's just the way it is. Whenever we're talking about family and holidays, things are going to go wrong. 
Things are going to get crazy. They're never going to be picture perfect. Someone's going to say the wrong thing at the wrong moment. It's going to be awkward. Like we know that about family. And yet we want to look this morning at how God has placed us in family. And as we begin to talk about this, I just want to acknowledge some things in the room to make sure that we're all on the same page. I understand that for some of us, as we move into this Christmas season, and maybe even this last week with Thanksgiving, being around family is difficult. And when we talk about this, this can be hard. Because I look at um, out across this room, and I've walked with some of you through losses. And for some of you, you've maybe buried a kid or um, buried your parents. And so Christmas is difficult because your family is a little bit less than it has been in the past. And that's just hard. And so as we talk over the next few weeks, there may be moments where it brings back a memory and you want to laugh, and that's okay. And then there may be moments, yeah, where it brings back a memory and you start to tear up, and that's okay as well. Jesus is okay with the emotions that we experience as we look at family. For others of you in this room, I know family is difficult because there's broken relationships there. There's people that you were close to or connected with at one time, and because of just the brokenness of our world, maybe you feel disconnected. And it could be a parent, it could be a sibling that you were close to, or maybe your kids, but now it doesn't feel like that relationship is what it was in the past. And that can be hard. And then there may be those of you that, yeah, you're very close to your family members, and that's okay. Everything that we experience We know that God has given us those emotions for a reason. And so we just want to create space as we look at this over the next um, few weeks. And so whether you're married without kids or married with kids, whether you're um, in that empty nest stage of your life, um, whether you're single, whatever that looks like right now, we want to acknowledge that and look at, God, what does that mean that you've placed us in families? And how should we approach this holiday season as we look at this? And so we're going to start looking Um, We're going to start by just looking at Jesus' family and what this was like for him. And so if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start reading verses 1 through 6. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a blue Bible in the seat in front of you, maybe one or two seats over. You can take it out and turn to page 471 and follow along with us. And I want to encourage you to do that as we look at this scripture. And once you have that, hold on to that for just a moment In case you've never read this part of the Bible before, um, this is the book of Matthew, and Matthew has written about the life of Jesus. He um, writes this story about the birth, um, the life, the teachings, the ministry, even the death and resurrection of Jesus, and he starts out um, here in Matthew chapter 1 in a way that's a little bit different than anyone else starts out. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab. Amenadab was the father of Nashon, and Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and it keeps on going. And when you read that, you're thinking, Matthew, seriously, that's how you're going to start your book, right? Like this seems like a 23andMe kind of commercial ad, right? Like 
Ancestry.com. Find out where your genealogy is. And this isn't an exciting way for Matthew to start this book, but he does this for a couple of reasons. I think we talked about this a few months ago, but he starts by explaining this is who Jesus is. And even in those first few characters that he introduces, David was one of the most well-known kings in the nation of Israel. And he's saying, hey, Jesus is a king among kings. He has the right to rule and reign over our lives. God is sovereign. And so he starts there, but he also starts with Abraham. And Abraham was kind of this patriarchal figure in the nation of Israel. It symbolized covenant relationship and family. And so Matthew is saying, Jesus is a king, but he's also family. This is relationship that I'm writing to you about. But there's one other thing that Matthew does whether intentionally or unintentionally as he starts to work through this genealogy, is he shows us, hey, Jesus' family is not perfect. No family is perfect. There is no perfect family in the world. When you look at your family and my family, like none of us, no family is perfect. And that's what Matthew starts to talk about. And so you may be familiar with some of these people, you may not. But when you look back through the stories and you start to look at this, Jesus has a pretty shady family tree. One of his great, 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 great aunts is Rahab, and she's a prostitute. And that makes for awkward conversations at the holidays, right? Like we don't talk about her, like let's not bring up that person. You've got Jacob, whose name literally means deceiver. Okay, he's that weird uncle who's like the used car salesman, right? That's always trying to do the shady deal and get ahead. I'm sorry if you're a car salesman, nothing against you, okay? But, but that's like Jacob, he's that deceiver. Like he's just got this kind of edge about him. No one really ever wants to make a deal or you don't want to get his name in secret Santa. okay, it's not going to turn out well. That's not the guy you want. And you look through this and then you start to go, people that are more, more well-known, David, who was one of the famous kings, but also was an adulterer and a murderer, right? He sleeps with this other man's wife. She gets pregnant. David tries to cover it up. He can't cover it up. So he has Uriah, this man's wife, murdered. Basically, sends him into battle, has everyone else, they get the message to pull back, and Uriah is left on the front by himself until he dies. The enemy overtakes him. And that's how David covers it up. This is part of Jesus' family tree. Rehoboam, this king who is cruel and he oppresses and enslaves the nation of Israel, his own people who he's supposed to be leading and protecting, he takes advantage of. You have people like Manasseh, this wicked king who turns the entire nation's heart against God, against the one true God, and starts to um, bring in the sacrifices and the idol worship, even leading the nation to sacrifice their own kids. You guys, these are some awkward family tree genealogy that is in the line of Jesus. And that's what he grew, like that's what he grew up, that was part of his history. Those were part of his grandparents and aunts and uncles and people that were in his family tree. And in case you're sitting there thinking, well, Aaron, yeah, that's really bad, but I don't even have to look back that far, right? To get to awkward people like that or, or difficult people in my family. Let's look at Jesus' immediate family. And this was not the picture perfect family that you think this is who God would choose to place his son in. This was God's plan of redemption because you have a young teenage woman who was full of faith and who trusted God and believed God, but she hadn't had a kid before. And you think, man, a lot of stuff could go wrong. If you've ever been a parent, there's all of those worries of like, when they cry, am I going to do the right thing? What if, what if they get hurt? Like all of these things. And Mary had all of those fears because she hadn't been a mother before. And yet that's who God chooses to entrust his son with. You have Joseph, 
who has commitment issues, right? Like when you start to look at the story, how awkward was that conversation? Well, Mary, I was going to dump you and break up with you, but God said I had to marry you, so I guess we're going to have to make this thing work. Like, that's not how you want to start the marriage relationship, right? Like, I didn't want to marry you, but God said I had to, so this is what we're going to... Like, all of these things in Jesus' siblings, like we're told about them later, there's like this rivalry. They don't even believe Jesus is who he says he is. And so at a different celebration, a different holiday, they're like, Jesus, go up and show everyone how special you are. Show them that you're the son of God. And and so they're kind of harassing Jesus, all of these thoughts. There was difficulty in his life growing up. And so sometimes we have in this, in our mind, kind of this picture perfect idea of, hey, Jesus' family was perfect, but it wasn't because he was like us. Although he was the son of God, he was also human, and he dealt with brokenness in relationships. And so like Jesus, we have a broken, we have difficult family relationships many times, and you probably don't have to look too far. Maybe being around others at the holidays, or once again, those difficult relationships that you have, there are situations like this, of people that you don't enjoy being around, that are difficult to be around, that say the wrong things at the wrong time, that know how just to press your buttons and upset you and frustrate you and make you mad. These are the kind of families that we have, and it's the kind of family that Jesus was a part of because no family is perfect. No family is perfect. There is no perfect family. And yet when we look at this, and I started to think about this, I thought, man, the person who Jesus became It was shaped because of the family that he was in. He was not the person that he was separated from those people. They were a part of his history. They were a part of his story. And just in that same way, even through the brokenness and through what we classify as dysfunction or issues, family issues, all of those things, you are the person that you are by those people that God has placed around you. The great people that you love that just know how to encourage you, that make you laugh, that you enjoy playing games, like all of those things, you're who you are because of them, but you're also who you are because of the difficult people in your life. And part of who Jesus was, the the ability to face adversity and even suffering and difficulty was because he had experienced that in his life, not just from the outside, but from those closest to him, from family members. He experienced hard times and difficult situations, and this is what he walked through in his life. And God knew that. And God, even though it wasn't the perfect family, even though we may sit back and question, why would you send your son into that kind of family? Like, was there not a better choice? Like, God knew what he was doing. He places us in families. And church, have you ever stopped and thought about that? Through the awkward political conversations, right? Through the questions that you get bombarded with of, why aren't you married yet? Or have you not found someone? You're married, but when are you going to have kids? Or all of these things, why aren't you further along in your career? That those people are placed in our life for a reason. That God knew who you were and he knows who they are. And for some reason, he matched you together. Kids, even when your parents frustrate you and they don't get the right Christmas gift, that God has put you in that family for a reason, you're there for one another. And so we see that in the life of Jesus, that there is no perfect family. His family wasn't perfect. And yet God chooses in his wisdom, in his sovereignty to place Jesus in that family. And so I want to encourage you as we begin to approach this holiday season, we're already through Thanksgiving, but as we begin to look together towards Christmas, and it may be a phone call, maybe you're not physically going to be with some of those difficult people, maybe a Christmas card, 
of looking at family different and saying, God, even in the midst of struggles sometimes or difficulties, Lord, that person is in my life for a reason, God. Even though my family is not perfect, God, you've placed us together for a specific purpose, to encourage one another. Not only is there no perfect family, but no family holiday is perfect. There is no kind of perfect family holiday, right? I've just shared with you one of our crazy stories, and I could sit here for hours giving you stories of how things have gone wrong at the holidays, how we had kind of this image, and we get that in our mind sometimes. You saw that from the start of that video of kind of this picture-perfect idea, and yet it never quite plays out like that, right? The turkey's either too dry, the stuffing didn't come out right, the kids don't really like their Christmas gift, they really wanted something else, like, all of those things like happen around the holidays. There is no picture perfect idea of the holidays. And we see this once again around the time that Jesus was born. And so if you still have your Bibles open, turn over a few pages to Luke chapter two, and we're gonna read verses one through seven, and it's on page 500 um, of that Bible there in front of you. So Luke chapter two, Luke gives us a different perspective as he introduces us into the birth of Christ and the start of the life of Jesus. And this is what he says, Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria and all went to be registered each in his own hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house in the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And once again, we sometimes get this image that that first Christmas, it was kind of this serene, picture-perfect idea, Right? of a bright star shining in the background and Joseph quietly leading Mary um, across on this donkey and everything just looks perfect, no clouds in the skies. But how many times when we're traveling with family does that ever happen? And people are people, right? Right now, 2,000 years ago, people are people. I remember whenever our family was a lot younger and it seemed for us that almost holiday after holiday, Sarah was pregnant um, with one of our kids. We have a large family. And I remember the doctor says this, if you've ever been pregnant, like no traveling in the third trimester. Like you can't fly, you can't take long trips. How about riding across the country on a donkey, right? Like what doctor is clearing Mary for that in her third trimester? Hey, you're gonna travel halfway across the country on a donkey. And this had to be difficult moments. There is no Google Maps. There is no ways, right? Joseph, just stop and ask for directions. You don't know where you're going. Like all of these things, Mary's having cravings. Where do you get pickles and ice cream on the way to Jericho, right? Like how does that even, there's all of these things. We get this image that everything was so quiet and serene. It was not, okay? Women, if you've been pregnant, you are uncomfortable in your third trimester, right? Like as that time, that is not a comfortable time. And to be riding across on a donkey, this had to be difficult. There was a difficult travel moment. It was not picturesque. It was not pristine. Like this was a hard moment. And we look back and think it was kind of comical, but it had to be difficult just dealing with those things and making those travel arrangements. But not only are they traveling that distance, this is a financial hardship. Like when you begin to read history, this is the Roman Empire 
that has oppressed the nation of Israel and other nations um, surrounding them. And when you begin to study that, the Caesars and those that were in power were taxing those nations 60 to 70%. Just stop and think about that. When you bring home your paycheck, 60 to 70% of it is immediately gone to pay all of the taxes. And how do you make Christmas work on that? Like just trying to get by and trying to live. And so to have to make travel arrangements, to get supplies, to get everything that they would have needed to travel that great distance. And they only had a little bit of money left. Like that's what they had to live on. And yet it was a decree. This wasn't like a great vacation or, hey, let's go do something fun or let's go see family. It was that Caesar, the reigning Lord or the reigning kind of emperor at that time, he had decreed, if you don't go, you're either going to be imprisoned or you could maybe be put to death. There was no revolt or rebellions in the Roman Empire without some kind of brutal force. And so this is a financial hardship. And I know we get stressed about finances around the Christmas season, making sure we can get the right gifts or we have the right money, you know, to pay for the meal, families coming in, we got to get more groceries, all of those things. And that's exactly what's happening at this first Christmas. There was no kind of ideal family holiday. And also just what I mentioned a moment ago is they're walking into broken relationships. And I shared this last year, but I've read this story decade after decade after decade, so many times, year after year. And it was the first time that this idea really stuck out to me is they're heading back to their hometown. They're going back to Bethlehem. This is where they're from. And because this is their hometown and Caesar has decreed it, who else is in that town? Well, that means either aunts, uncles, family, right? Grandparents, cousins, all of these people are in Bethlehem. And whether they're traveling or they're living there, that means Mary and Joseph are surrounded by family, but they're not in a home, are they? They know that it's going to be awkward because of how Mary got pregnant, all of these questions that are probably flying around and being asked. And so they don't even try to go to a family member's home because they realize there's broken relationships and they end up having the baby in a manger, like in a barn, in a stable where the animals are kept at. That's What's going on? And once again, it wasn't this picture-perfect idea. This was painful, and you're surrounded by stinky, smelly animals. That's where the Son of God is born, because there's broken relationships. They can't go to their cousin's or their aunt or uncle's house because there's been rejection and there's been brokenness in that relationship. This is the situation. This was not a pristine kind of ideal household family situation, and this is how Jesus is born. You guys, there is no picture-perfect family, and there is no picture-perfect family holidays, but this is what we know is that family, even when it isn't perfect, it's the best. Family, even when it isn't perfect, it's the best. And here's what I mean by that. As we begin to read through Scripture, Psalms chapter 68, verses 5 and 6, this is what it says. It's that God is the father to the fatherless that he looks after the widow and the orphan in their time of distress. And then listen to this, that he places the lonely in families. And it's like what God says at the very beginning of time when he's creating men and women, he looks at Adam and he says, hey, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. And although sometimes we may have that feeling, especially when the house is too full, right? When the noise level is too high, when kids are running everywhere, when we're trying to avoid that next awkward conversation, it could feel like, hey, it's better that we're alone. 
but it's actually not. God has placed us in families. And not because your family is perfect or not because everything's going to go right when you're around them during the holiday season. It's because of this, church, and I want you to hear this. We need each other. We need each other. We really do. We're better together. And so family, even when it's not perfect, it's the best. God knew what we needed. And this is what I want to encourage you with as we once again approach this Christmas, this holiday season is you're going to face difficult times. It could be difficult conversations. It could be awkward people. It could be memories. Yeah, of people that we've lost or that are no longer present in our lives. Like we're going to face some of those moments. But we need to know that the people that God has placed around us, it's on purpose. And they're there at times to challenge you, to challenge you, to be who God wants you to be. You're put in their life to encourage them. That even though when it feels like, but if I say something, we're going to get in that fight, we're going to get in that argument of stopping and saying, God, you didn't have a perfect family, Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, lead me in this moment. Like, how do I do this? How do I navigate these difficult relationships? How do I navigate these difficult times and these different conversations? We need one another. And not because we're perfect, not because everything goes right. It's because God is the one who has placed us in our families. And you are the person that you are. And you're becoming the person that you're becoming because of those people around you. And God has called us to challenge one another, to encourage one another. And the beautiful picture of what we see of Jesus' siblings, where although there was difficulty and there was strain in that relationship, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, we see them, one of them is the pastor of the main church there in Jerusalem. You've got others that are spiritual leaders. He's a leader in the church. He writes a book of the Bible. Like We see this of God, how God uses us to shape, to mold to encourage one another. And so as we move into this time, even with the joys, the difficulty difficulty of family, like we want to be there to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to be Jesus to those around us that may be hurting and do not have the hope that we have. And so I want to start as we kick off this series, just praying for us that over the next few weeks, as we interact And it could be everything from writing a Christmas card to a phone call to being physically present, maybe with family members, extended family members. How is God calling you to encourage, to inspire others that are around you? How is God challenging you, even through maybe difficult situations, to be more like him, to be patient, to be loving, to be kind, to be compassionate? God wants to do something in our life this holiday season as it comes to family. And so I'm going to lead us in prayer. If you would take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to encourage you not just to listen to what I'm going to say. I'll be leading out, but you have something in your heart. And there may be a family member that you're thinking of that's difficult to deal with. And I want to encourage you, just ask God, take a moment and say, Lord, how can I, God, how can I grow in this? How can I be challenged in this, Lord? How can I love other people? Let's pray together. God, I come before you, Lord, and this is just a simple message. God, we all interact with family around the holiday season, and God, sometimes it brings joy to our life. Lord, for some of us, it's inspiring, it's encouraging, Lord, and then there are others where there are difficult moments, Lord. 
And God, my prayer is that you would help us this holiday season. Jesus, that you would, God, take our life and Lord, that you would use it to encourage others and inspire others. Lord, in moments of difficulty, teach us, Holy Spirit, how you want to shape us and mold us, God, how you want us to help lead the conversation in a positive way, Lord. Help each and every one of us to be an image of you, Lord. You didn't have a perfect family, and yet you loved well, God, and you, you inspired others and you helped mold their life. Help us to do the same this holiday season, God, with, with parents, with kids, Lord, God, with extended family members, with siblings, Lord, help us to love in a way that God shines your light this holiday season. Help us to love and be patient in a way, God, that draws other people closer to you and the hope and the joy, Jesus, that your birth and that your coming brought into this world. Lord, we believe that. Let us be that kind of church that is changing others' lives by the way that we love. And God, we pray this together in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. And we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. Connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.